Just a couple of weeks into the new year, and already I would imagine your New Year's resolutions can be a challenge. We'll give you some help next here on Graceful Truth. resolutions, as altruistic as they are, they do present challenges, especially as you move into the new year and find yourself two, three, four weeks into those resolutions. They become a challenge, don't they? But there are resolutions that we as Christians should be adhering to. And unlike most resolutions, we have a strength and a wisdom we can tap into that is not our own, but God's himself, which allow greater success for these resolutions. Let's take a look at our series, shall we? A series simply entitled, Making Your Mark. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, Pastor Steve Converse in today's program. Once you understand that you have to build on the right foundation, well, the next step is, well, how do we do that? How do we build ministry? How do we effectively make disciples? And that's what I want to share with you This morning and next week. Some biblical principles from Matthew chapter 10. You can turn there in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 10. Biblical principles for effective ministry. You know, we don't want to just do ministry to do ministry. That's what I call a waste of time. Waste of your time, waste of my time, waste of everybody's time. We want to do ministry that's based on biblical principles so that it's effective. There's tons of churches that have tons of programs, but none of them are really effective. (laughs) And so you have to stop and you have to realize what we want to do, not only as a church, but as individual believers. What does God want me to do? What does God want you to do? And that's really the message that we have today and next week. And so remember, Matthew, we haven't been in Matthew for a long time. We went through the whole gospel for several years. And uh, you can get those messages online. But Matthew's message is basically this, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He's king. He's God in human flesh. He's the promised king, the savior, the deliverer that God has been talking about all these years. And he came to fulfill, the Bible says, the promises. And he did fulfill the promises and the covenants of the Old Testament. And he came to redeem the world of which we are a part of. So look at Matthew chapter 10 along with me and we'll read this text. You can follow along in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 10. I'll pick up there in verse 5. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. And this is where Jesus appoints his, not only appoints his 12 apostles, but he sends them out. But we're going to pick up where he sends them out. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, here's what he said, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. 
And if the house is worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And the the chapter continues. And just to break this chapter up for you, it's it's outlined pretty simple. Verses 5 through 15 deal with really the basic principles of ministry. The basic principles of ministry. And then you jump down to verses 16 and 23, and it talks to the reaction that people have to ministry. Just because you're doing ministry doesn't mean that everybody's going to respond favorably to you. Sometimes they respond unfavorably. And then verses 24 to 42, through the rest of the chapter there, it really talks about the cost of ministry. We're just looking at the first section today, but that kind of gives you an idea of what Matthew is talking about. Now remember, the original apostles were really the original folks that Jesus sent out. They were missionaries. He trained them up. He sent them forth to preach the gospel to a world that was under the judgment of God. And he knew that the harvest would be plenty, but he knew that he didn't have a lot of workers. We've heard that, right? The harvest is plenty, the workers are few. That's still true today, by the way. We're always looking for people that want to help out in some form or fashion. So the instruction Jesus gave to the apostles at this time was not meant to be a blanket statement for the whole church, but it was meant to be just for them at that time. It was kind of a short-term mission work, you might think about it that way. Jesus was gathering his men together and he said, okay, I'm going to train you up and I'm going to send you out. And this is basically your first test. (laughs) I'm going to send you out and see what you caught from my teaching. And so at this time, he sent them out in their own country. But what we're going to talk about, some of the principles in this week and next week, they apply to the church as well. So we can apply what he taught, even his apostles at the time. And so we have to remember that we always want to teach the Word of God in its context. So some of these specifics were restricted to a given time and a given situation. Whereas the principles that we're going to look at are kind of broad-based. They cover a wide area. The problem today with Christianity in the world, the problem with the church even today, is there's so many people claiming to represent Christ, but a lot of them are just after your money. Just turn on the TV. You have all these word of faith people that are trying to teach you all this stuff. And, you know, it's all about popularity. It's all about trying to buy their next Learjet. How to best fund their ministry. And so the world looks at that and says, "Ah, you know, Jesus, I don't want any part of that. And yet there's a segment of the church that's a true church that it's left up to us really to go out to a a lost and dying world and say, wait a minute, I know you've seen this, but here's the real deal. (laughs) Here's what it really looks like to be a Christian. And so Christ sends these folks out with some basic training. But these weren't, you know, this wasn't the top rung of society. These motley crew of guys that Jesus called his disciples. I mean, they were kind of the bottom of the barrel. And so their mission, even though they didn't have qualifications, I don't think they would have been hired by any church today. What's your qualification? Well, I'm a fisherman. You want to be a pastor you want to be an elder you want to be wait a minute i'm a tax gatherer (laughs) you're definitely not here you know it's like hiring an irs agent to be your pastor or something why would you ever do that you know what's their qualification 
And so the mission that, that these apostles gave, were given by Christ, even though they didn't have the qualifications to change the world, that's exactly what they were called to do. And it wasn't because they were some important group of people. It's because God made them and God called them and God took them under the wing of Christ through that process of training and Jesus molded them and made them into the person that he wanted them to be. Not necessarily the person that they wanted to be. And so this is Jesus' first training mission for them. And they were to go out. Their motive, you know, was because the world was under judgment. Just as it is today. That should motivate us, beloved, to leave this, these four walls, the comfortable chair and all that, and go out into a lost and dying world and be able to stand up for Christ and be able to proclaim the gospel in a bold way. I mean, today we live in a society where if you say anything about Christ, you're kind of beaten down and discounted and thrown to the side. I've learned that the hard way. And it's true. But that doesn't mean you stop proclaiming what you know to be true according to the word of God. You have to stand up for truth. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.11 that his motivation was really their motivation. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Why do we do what we do? Why do we have a conference here called a NorCal conference that's an evangelism training conference? And why are we hosting that? Why do we think that's important? Because we want to persuade men to come to Christ. Because we know if they're not persuaded to come to Christ, they'll be lost forever in all of eternal hell. And that should weigh heavy on our hearts. And so beginning here in verse 5, the Lord begins to instruct his disciples for this short-term mission. And he basically, you can take these principles and apply them to us as well. And the mission was basically twofold. It was for the sake of the lost. He wanted them to go out and share the gospel and see people come to Christ, to follow Christ. But he also understood that it was for their own good as well. Do you ever wonder why Jesus saved us and left us here? I mean, if I was God, if I was going to save some people, I would just take them right to heaven because a lot of us cause more damage down here than we do good for the Lord. So sometimes, you know, if I was God, I would just save you and you would be like just in heaven. But he doesn't. He leaves us here. Why? It's for our own good. It's to mold us, to shape us, the Bible says, into the image of Christ. And so he was instructing his disciples how to reproduce themselves. And so the first thing we see here in verse 5, he says, These this 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them. You have a divine commission here. This is Christ calling his disciples to task, to do what he requires them to do. See, these, you have to understand, these apostles were not volunteers. <laughs> they were not volunteers. They were willing to go, but they were commissioned. I mean, I would not, in a million years, when I was in high school, if you were to come up to me and said, you know what, I think you're going to be a pastor one day. I would say, you're nuts. I'm going to be a police officer. I'm going to go in one branch of the military. I'm going to get some training, criminology. That's what I want to do. But what happened with that dream? What happened with that agenda? What happened with that plan? Well, Christ had a different purpose. Christ had a different plan. He called me. See? And, and they're like, we're all called as believers. Jeremiah 1.5 5 says this. He's speaking of the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said, Before I formed you, I ordained you. Don't ever think that you don't have a purpose in life. Don't ever think that you've got to read some book on the purpose-driven life to find your purpose. God has a purpose for you. 
is to serve him with all your heart. The disciples were sovereignly called by God. They were under orders, you might say. Uh, Mark 6, 4 is a comparative passage in the Gospel of Mark. And it tells us that Jesus sent them out two by two. There's a reason for that. He knew they were going to come under flack. And they needed support of each other. They could strengthen one another. They can encourage one another while they're going out into this hostile world and sharing the message of Christ. Who, which, by the way, was not very well received at the time. And so for a few weeks, the apostles were official ambassadors for Christ. He trained them a little bit and he said, okay, this is your chance go. And like the apostle Paul, they were given the ministry as a stewardship. And that's what ministry is. This isn't my ministry. It isn't your ministry. It's a ministry that God entrusts to us. And we're to do our best in the stewardship of that ministry. Sometimes we do better than other times. But you know what? Overall, in the end, what do we want to hear from the Lord? Well done, right? Good and faithful servant. That's the goal. And so it was such a responsibility, such a burden. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says this. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. In other words, I am totally undone as a Christian if I do not preach the gospel of Christ. Trust me, there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing. I worked for a picture framing company for several years and loved that. Able to form and fashion picture frames. And it was just a fun job. The owner was a Christian, treated me just incredible pay raise. It was great. Worked for the DA's office. That was a fun job. Enjoyed that. Did a lot of different stuff. But you know what? God said, I want you to do this. (laughs) I've called you to do this. And woe to you if you don't do it. I'm reminded that every time the grandkids come. Crystal and Will say, you know, why don't you move to Hawaii? That'd be sweet. That'd be nice. Well, that's not what God's called me to do. God has called me here at this place at this time. Whether he'll call me here still next year, I don't know. That's up to God. And that's where faith comes in each day, trusting him. So this is a stewardship. And it was a direct commission that God called them through Christ. They received this commission directly by the Lord. He told them, you follow me. You do this. You go out. And you do that. They didn't have to put out a fleece. They didn't have to pray about it. The Lord didn't have to show them signs. He was there with them. And he said, you know what? Here's what you're going to do. You guys, I've trained you. Now now it's your chance to go out. People ask today, how do you know if God is calling you into ministry? Even within the church, whether it's full-time ministry or not, it's in the church. How do you know what God is calling you to do? There's a couple different things that I want to share with you. Practical How do you know what God wants you to do as far as ministry goes? Basically, first of all, follow your desire. God gives you desires. 1 Timothy 3.1 says the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires or desires to the office of overseer or pastor or elder, he desires a noble task. Sometimes it's funny. People come up. We have a small church here and we have a couple elders. And people say, why don't you have more elders? I always look around. I go, I don't see a line. What do you mean? It's not my job to go out into the congregation and say, oh, you know, you own a business. I think you'd make a good elder. Oh, you're good in finance. I think you'd make a good elder. That's not my job. That's not the elder's job. That's God's job. That's something that God puts on your heart. He gives you that desire. That's why when we make ministry needs known in this church, it's not a guilt trip. 
We're not up here trying to make you feel guilty so you serve somewhere because we need more Sunday school workers or we need more nursery workers. I mean, that would be the worst possible scenario to have somebody in the nursery that doesn't like kids, but they're just doing it because they feel guilty. I mean, talk about pulling your hair out. Man, that, it wouldn't be good for them. It wouldn't be good for the kids. It wouldn't be good for our church. So the Bible implies that men will desire the office of pastor, the office of elder, or will desire a certain ministry. Maybe God's moving in your heart and giving you a desire for a ministry in a certain way. And maybe you're sitting on it. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they would say if they don't have this ministry, so I guess they don't want it. No, that's not true. If God puts it on your heart and you're part of this church and it's a biblical ministry, it's something that we can go to the Bible and say, yeah, this is something that we would support then we would get behind you 100%. Because God has given you a desire to serve. God puts that same desire for ministry into our hearts today. Well, secondly, not only do you have a desire to serve, but also there's a process of confirmation. All right? Confirmation by the church. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of guys that say, hey, I feel called to preach. And you hear them preach, and you realize... You know, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't know if you're called to preach. <laughs> There's no confirmation there. You need a confirmation from the people around you. That's what Paul was alluding to in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.14, when he says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. What does that mean? A group in the church looked at somebody and said, you know what? You have a certain gifting. You need to be using that for the Lord. Do you have that desire? Well, sure. Well, you know what? We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to affirm that. And we're going to help you out. We're going to get you equipped so that you can serve. See, that's what a biblical church does. But it has to come from that desire. You know, and it has to lead to the confirmation. Then also, the third thing is, is there an open door to serve? 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says, For a great door, an effectual uh, a door is opened unto me. See, you need to determine if you have the desire and you see the confirmation, is there an opportunity to minister? See, it's important to understand that God, you know, wants to use you in the body of Christ. You have to have that. You have to have the desire. You have to have the confirmation. And is there an open door? And so this is the command of Christ. And look at what he says here in verse 5. He says, he sent them out instructing them or commanding them. That's the idea. That's the the, the original language there behind that word instructing. Basically, there's a lot of different um, ideas here going on in this word. You can look at it in a military sense because it's used that way to describe a superior giving an order to an inferior. It's a command. He wasn't saying, hey, apostles, you know what? If you feel like it, you might want to go out there. No. This was a command from our Lord. It's a statement that requires obedience. It's not an optional thing. In the legal sense, it was used in summoning somebody to court. You know, when I worked with the DA's office, I was on the subpoena thing. And I went out and gave people subpoenas. And I would say, you're demanded to be in court on this date. And you'd give them the paper. And they were officially served. And if they didn't show up, they would be arrested. Not by me, but by somebody with a gun. They didn't give me a gun. They just gave me some pepper spray, you know. But anyway, I still had a badge, and I thought that was pretty cool. But they were bound by the legal jurisdiction to come to court because they had that legal order, that command. 
Ethically, it's used, this word of commanding is used to speak of teachings of morals and ethics. When you learn what is ethically right, basically the understanding is you're bound to obey it. You're bound to obey it. It's also used in a medical sense. It's used in the sense of a doctor's prescription for a patient. See, each of those kind of says there's a response needed here. If you go to the doctor and they say, hey, you need this. Here's the prescription. What are they telling you? They're not really suggesting. They're telling you, go and get this medication and start taking it like the prescription says. You know, if you call the doctor two weeks later, say, hey, I'm still not feeling good. Well, did you take the prescription? Well, no, I didn't take it. I didn't feel like taking it. You know, your, your doctor's not going to have some good words for you. Trust me. Or well, you need to take the prescription I gave you. You need to do that. You know, and they'll become more insistent on it. In the New Testament, it's, it's used, this word is used in Luke 5.14 to command an evil spirit to come out of a man. In, that's in 8.29. In Luke 5.14, it's used to instruct a leper. It's in, used to instruct Jairus to command his, uh, the disciples in 9.21 of the Gospel of Luke. It's used all over the place. But it's always a command. And you know, more than anything, God wants your obedience, beloved. He wants your obedience. He doesn't want you to kind of try to figure out some big... He just wants you to obey day to day, moment by moment. More than anything, that's what he desires from you, from me. And that's why it's so important when we're, we come to ministry, when the apostles were going out, they weren't going out as some kind of prima donna. I'm going to do my own thing. No. You know, you see sometimes in ministry people like that. Sometimes there are even pastors like that. You know, they think somehow that their, their goal on Sunday morning is to be the, the, the chef and make this incredible meal for everybody. So they've got to come up with all this stuff. We're not the chef. I'm just the waiter. I'm just simply bringing the food to the table. And hopefully I don't mess it up in the process. Because God's word is the authority, not man's word. And that's why Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. We're all under that same commission, that divine commission by the Lord to obey his call, to go out and to present to the world, which is lost and dying under the judgment of God. We're called to present the gospel of Christ. You know, I'm under no delusion here. Not every believer is called to be a preacher or a teacher or a pastor or even a missionary. But every believer is called to be Christ's representative to be Christ's witness to a lost and dying world. That's what Matthew 28, 19 says. Jesus Christ has no followers who are not under his order of the Great Commission. When he says, make disciples of what? All nations. That's why we have missionaries in Thailand and India, Papua New Guinea, because it's all nations. And so you, you have to sense that call from the Lord. See, we don't determine our own destiny as children of God. We don't mark out our own path. God does it for us. We're just called to simply obey. These are divine orders, and we have to put everything under that. Everything is subservient to the command that God has given us. All of us have been commissioned in some sense, some officially, but all of us are bound by Christ's call to represent him in this world. He's committed, the believer is committed to obeying the word of God. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.